What a win for the Oklahoma City Thunder against the Warriors in overtime again. This time at home, this time to clinch the season series, and this time to prove that the OK3 is back, but this time it's legitimate. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com. Ryland Styles. follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends over at Price Picks. Today's show is going to be found brought to you by Price Picks with the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports, pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. Use the code LockedOnNBA to get started with your first deposit match up to $100. What a win that was for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Thank you so much for making us your first listen, sharing this experience with you all. We're going to have your takeaways on today's show. This is an unscripted, unoutlined version of Lockdown Thunder because I felt like that's what this moment needed. And this moment was a defining one for what the Thunder want to be in the future. Thunder beat the Golden State Warriors 138-106. They shot 17% from three-point land, and they were able to win the basketball game. That is unheard of. For the majority of the game, they shot 14% from three, but they forced 29 turnovers, and they were able to get out and run off of those turnovers to the tune of 27 to 4 fast break points despite letting up 60 rebounds to just the Thunder's 39 the Thunder came away with an impressive win a win that was not easy to get a win that took a collective effort from everyone involved and it made the Thunder play complimentary basketball In the first quarter, the Thunder could not buy a bucket. They just simply couldn't. I mean, SGA plays that entire first quarter, scores four points on eight shots. The Thunder shot 34% from the floor and 12% from deep, one for eight shooting. Meanwhile, the Warriors shot 36% from three and 45% from the floor. However, after the first quarter, the Warriors still had under 30 points And OKC had 19. And that was a constant theme. As the offense was struggling to get going for Oklahoma City, their defense kept them within striking distance. The Warriors, for as explosive as they can be, because Steph Curry's incredible, because anytime he's in Paycom Center, Clay Thompson can go and get it, because Andrew Wiggins has been an absolute thunder killer his entire career, because Draymond Green shows up in these moments against Oklahoma City. Their lead never stretched beyond 14 points. That's how good the Thunder were at handling a lot of adversity. Their shots weren't falling, they weren't in a groove, and they were getting the wrong end of a whistle that now will be the back burner conversation, but to fight through 
some of that tough officiating and to fight through J-Dub getting early foul trouble, Chet getting an early foul trouble, and just, you know, some overall, uh, you know, bad officiating that took the Thunder out of sorts at times. I mean, you, you have never seen the Thunder complain the way they complained in this game. You've never seen Mark complain the way he complained. He, he arguably should have had two technical fouls and ejected from the game with how long that he went on for, but he was justified in doing so. Uh, you know, this team was clearly you know, bothered by it, by, by the officiating at the beginning part of the game. But to fight through all of that, go back and forth between eight, eight lead changes, 10 ties. For the majority of the game, the Warriors kept the Thunder at that 10-point distance. And to win this game in overtime, and the pathway to get there shows an arrival for how good this team can be. And how good this team can be starts with the real OK3. This is not Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Carmelo Anthony. This is SGA, Chet Holmgren, and Jalen Williams. And before we dive into this, a lot of people will take that as a slight at the other 15 members of the Thunder. The Thunder are like a car, right? Your car is worth nothing if it does not have an engine, if it does not have tires, and if it does not have an alternator, right? It's worth nothing. Now, if your car lacks AC, it's not fun, right? You'd prefer to have the AC. You'd prefer to have, you know, the luxury of, you know, heated seats. You'd prefer to have a working radio. You'd prefer to have a, a, a radio that allows you to hook up your phone via Bluetooth. You'd prefer to have power windows, right? But you can get by on those things. You can get by without them. You can't get by without the engine. You can't get by without the wheels. And you can't get by without the alternator. And that's what you have in Chet Holmgren. That's what you have in Jalen Williams. And that's what you have in Shea Gildas-Alexander. And this OK3 group, this trio, is what's different about this team. And it's why this team has a limitless ceiling of what they can accomplish both this year and what they can accomplish in the future. Because I've got to tell you, I have a hard time. I understand the narratives. I understand everything I've said to this point about how I firmly believe that players have to go through those postseason struggles. They have to experience series by series, but there's always exceptions to rules. And when you have a guy like SGA who is playing as one of the best basketball players in the world right now, and you have a guy like Chet Holmgren who is just absolutely nails the shot he hit in Golden State, cashing in all three free throws after a delay for the coach's challenge, which, which even compounds the problem a bit. And then Jalen Williams taking over the game. You have three guys, three guys who are able to impose their will on games, take over games, defend, and score at will. Jalen Williams, SGA, and Chet Holmgren can suffocate you defensively, gobble up your possession, and make your life miserable defensively. And then, oh yeah, all three of them can go hit deflating, discouraging, and outright disgusting shots on the other end. When you have that nucleus, your team can get far. I don't care how old they are. I don't care how inexperienced they are. When you have that 
caliber of player leading the way, your team can get far. And that's not even to get into all the luxuries of the car. That's not even to get into when you have a guy like Isaiah Joe, who, who can just fill it up from beyond the arc. When you have Kenneth Williams, who can clean things up, provide veteran leadership, and do all the dirty work. The unsung hero of the car. I'm not a great car guy, so I'm losing the car analogy a little bit. But you have Aaron Wiggins, who can turn a game upside down. Lou Dort, who, who can play masterful defense. And you should go back and watch Steph Curry's shots at the end of that game, into the fourth quarter and overtime. There were multiple defenders. It was not just Lou Dort, but Lou Dort, of course, the primary guy defensively. There are multiple defenders who had the best contest of a shot you can ever have. If you contested the shot anymore, it would be a foul, and, and Steph Curry just splashed it home. But those are the kind of defenders you have. You have defenders, plural, plural, who can absolutely be inside of the offensive flow and just disrupt everything and contest everything. And so when you have the ability to defend the Warriors for seven seconds without letting them take the lead, you know, to force overtime, and when you have the scores like SGA, Chet Holmgren, and J-Dub, this team can do a lot of different things in the NBA, both this year and in the future. And, and you know, this is mainly about the future, but you look around the NBA right now, and like for as for as dire as 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 fans portray this Thunder situation after each loss, when you look around the NBA right now, who would you swap places with? Who would you rather be? What roster would you rather have? What coach would you rather have? What what star first three would you rather have? What rotation would you rather have? The names that you come up with for the answer to those questions are few and far between. This team is not perfect. This team has flaws. This team has stretches where they don't play good basketball. But spend a week watching another team as, as deeply and intently as you watch the Thunder, and you'll see that's life. That's what all the people say. You're riding high in November. You're shot down in December. And I think you'll really change your tune if you go look at other teams while you view the Thunder. And you'll see that this team is not only on time, they're ahead of schedule. They're ahead of where they should be. And that this team has what it takes to fulfill all of your grandest fantasies about what this rebuild could look like. Everything you've envisioned about the ceiling for Chet, the ceiling for J-Dub, the ceiling for Shea, and the ceiling for this roster is in front of Oklahoma City. And it's very rare that you hit on all those things. And games like tonight, just 21 games into Chet's career, give you a very firm feeling that you've hit on those things. This was a win that you will look back on and remember. This is a win that you'll want to be a part of and reflect to whenever it is that this team gets to their final destination. An unbelievable effort, an unbelievable environment 
the fans were just out of this world in the Paycom Center tonight. And an indescribable feeling watching this young team take shape, watching this young team figure themselves out and express themselves at the end of that game. You're seeing the, the pizza roll meme come back with that iconic photo of Shay, J-Dub, and Chet. Uh, almost a mirror image of Harden, Russ, and KD in their jubilee after a win. This is what it's all about. A game like tonight is what it's all about. You're going to have the games like Houston. You're going to have the games where, where it's, it's a clunker, it's a clunk fest. There's just nothing to do about it. But as I said in the preseason, I have faith that this team, not even talking about the future, but this team will have way more nights like tonight, like in Golden State, like in Chicago, like in Cleveland. They'll have way more games like tonight than games like Houston. The Thunder pull off an impressive win. You have a lot of opinions about it. We're going to read them on today's show. But first, I want to say right now, but good friends over at Price Picks. Folks, Price Picks is awesome. Go there right now. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on. That's right. Pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA. And when you do, you're going to get a deposit match up to $100. And Price Picks is the best daily fantasy sports made easy, made for you. Why I love them so much is that it's available in Oklahoma and you just pick what you think will happen against the projections. Will they have more or less than their projected number? That's it. So you're not going up against these professional fantasy sport players who know all the trends and they know all the little insights and tidbits and all this other stuff. It's just you versus the numbers. So you can go there, plug in. Hey, I think LeBron James will have more than his points projection tonight against Indiana. I think Terry Halliburton will have more than his assist projections tonight against LA in the in-season tournament cup final. You can do that. Just sit back and watch the game. And whatever happens on the stat sheet is what unfolds for you uh, when playing. So you pick two to six players. You can do cross-sport entries. So Sunday, uh, you know, you can do college basketball and the NFL. Tomorrow, you can do college basketball and uh, the in-season tournament. Or you could do the Army-Navy game and the in-season tournament. You can do a lot of stuff over there at Price Picks. Check it out today. That's Price Picks. Go there right now to pricepicks.com slash LockedInNBA. Or just use the code LockedInNBA for an instant deposit match up to $100. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. Make sure you check out the Lockdown Sports Today YouTube channel, 24-7 stream of everything happening in the world of sports with our local experts cycling through our shows over there at Lockdown Sports Today. So you're all up to date on the sports world. Check it out today, Lockdown Sports Today YouTube channel. Check us out on the Lockdown Thunder YouTube channel and anywhere else you get your podcast from. What a game this was. You have takes about it, but this Thunder team is special. Jalen Williams, 28 points, 80% shooting with tough finishes, with behind-the-back, fall-away, mid-range shots, curling off screens, hitting shots, in traffic, floating. His diversity in scoring 
was there. He's really, really good driving to his left. That's where he's best at. That's where he's taking his most attempts on drives is going to his left. He's really good as a cutter, and he, you saw him score off the bounce in this one. One for one from three. Five rebounds again, two assists, three steals, and a block. SGA had five steals. Again, SGA had five steals and a block with five rebounds and 50% shooting from the floor. Think about that, folks. He starts out with four points on eight shots in the first quarter. Through 12 minutes of his 42, he had four points on eight shots. 50% shooting in this one for him at the end with some uncharacteristic misses. And that's with, you know, kind of giving away two threes, like two very early step back threes, which if they would have gone down, would have just sent the Paycom Center into a frenzy, but it was worth the attempt in the moment. Eight for 11 at the charity stripe for SGA. I got to say, I think that the, that, that the Thunder should go put up, put themselves on the block on technical foul free throws. There's just something about even Shea missing technical foul free throws. Chad Holmgren, eight for eight from the free throw line, 50% from the floor, one for four from three, but it was a huge corner three that he hit. Seven boards, an assist, three blocks, 21 points. What you saw Chet Holmgren do in the second half was insert himself in the action late. He came up big for OKC. Lou Dort came up big for OKC. Started out very slow, had a bad drive, uh, you know, an old-fashioned Lou Dort drive, not in a good way. But the defense that he provided at the end, you do not win this game without that. 16 points, five rebounds, an assist, and a block. And we're going to get into your takeaways right now from this game. Russ TD says, Clutch Gene, the Thunder, got it. Look, you know, you're relying on a, a young roster, second youngest roster in the NBA, but it is undeniable through 21 games, they are among the clutchest roster in the NBA. It's abnormal. It breaks conventional wisdom. But for Chet Holmgren to go out there and nail those three free throws, sensational. Sensational. Josiah Smith uh, talked about Giddy. We're going to circle back to that one in a little bit. So did uh, uh, the Meat Sports. Morgan Workman says, I feel like the, uh, some of these late games, uh, nonsense Steph Curry threes would have completely shattered the confidence of every Russ, KD, OKC team. This team wouldn't let them have it. Uh, this team just doesn't get down on itself when faced with adversity. This team does a really good job of, of being mentally tough, as Mark says. And I think that I'll, I'll use this as kind of a springboard to talk about uh, overtime, where the Thunder come out in overtime, and there's no doubt that they laid the first punch. I mean, they got up by as many as like 10 in overtime. It was unbelievable. Like it, it felt like the game was over. When they got up by 10 and, and, and Steve Kerr called the timeout and the, and the Paycom Center was rocking, it felt like, hey, this one's over. And you just got punched in the mouth. But a classic Warriors run got it back down to a, you know, a six-point game. They got it back down to, I believe, a four-point game. And then, uh, you know, of course, they ultimately got back down within a bucket. So to be able to withstand that, is right. Like to be able to withstand that and not only not get down yourself, but also not run out of the confidence and the shot making and, you know, call it getting down yourself, but also call it, you know, not playing outside yourself, not pressing 
of like when that Warriors avalanche starts to happen and you go from this feels over up 10 to, okay, they're within a bucket. They're not just jack up some willy-nilly bad shot, contested shot, or throw a lackadaisical turnover. Like that stuff from this team is awesome to see whenever you factor in how young they are, but also that youth is not just an experience in the generality of like playing NBA basketball. It's inexperienced playing together. And you saw Draymond Green, who is as, as veteran as they come, who is a future Hall of Famer, who is a, a billion-time NBA champion, it feels like. You know, you saw him just flat out throw the ball into the stands in a critical transition possession in overtime. And that's what's playing with some of these guys for a long time. Of course, the Warriors roster has changed uh, you know, year over year. But you know, he's played way more NBA basketball, more meaningful NBA basketball, more high-pressurized moments of NBA basketball than this roster has combined from Oklahoma City. And he's making that mistake late while the Thunder are avoiding those type of things. So to even not, not have those miscommunication, bad possessions late in this game, when, when the pressure starts to mount and it's a possession-by-possession possession game, to even not have those type of things happen is impressive. And it, it, it just shows, the as, as Mark calls it, mental toughness. You can call it maturity. You can call it whatever you want to call it. But it just shows how different this team is and how different they view the game, how different that they uh, experience things. I mean, J-Dub talked about it at practice this week of, of you know, they got hit in the mouth of the 30-0 run, a historic 30-0 run from all the tracking data that we have that that's the first time ever in NBA history a team has given up 30 unanswered points. And Jadab says they go into the huddle and they're not shell-shocked. They're not slapped around by, by or, or fighting or, or, or pointing fingers of whose fault this was. They're down six points. That's the mindset in that hole. We're down six points. The ability to snap and clear and to flush, flush everything that just happened, good or bad, from this team is what sets them apart from other teams. Past Thunder teams, current NBA teams, YMCA teams. That's what sets them apart from those teams. And to have that ability right now is what makes you believe this team, not to say that they will, but is what makes you believe this team could be one of those exceptions to the rule. So we'll continue on with uh, you know your takeaways. Jimmy Mint says the five Thunder bench players who saw the floor tonight uh, make less combined than the Warriors' top five guys make right now. This is a testament to Sam Presti and also uh, strengthens the argument to the window being open right now. Look, when we talk about the window stuff, are the Thunder in a fantastic position right now? Absolutely. This season also shouldn't have the pressure of like you have to go win a championship or you have to make a deep playoff run. So it's an opportunity, right? It's an opportunity where you have what teams crave. You have an MVP caliber player and two all-star caliber players next to him. Now, will Chet or J-Dub, either one of them, much less both, make the all-star game? That's to be determined, and, and that's not the point here. At the very least, those two guys are playing the way that Shea was playing a couple of years ago, where and around Oklahoma City, Everyone can acknowledge that's an all-star caliber player. Now, if he gets the votes or not, if he gets in or not, who cares? But he's an all-star caliber of player. That's how these two guys are playing through 21 games. So you have an MVP guy, and you have two guys playing at an all-star caliber level. Might not make the team, but caliber level. 
And then you have this filter down of depth that have really elite NBA skills for role players and for depth pieces and for rotational pieces that are on team-friendly, controllable deals. That's what you crave. Now, those controllable deals don't necessarily mean as much right now because you're not uh, quite paying anyone else yet. But still, like th- th- this is this is the blueprint for, for trying to win long-term. So yes, this is a great opportunity for the Thunder. But at the same token, it's not a must, right? It's a luxury. It's not a must uh, go do something this season. The fact is, though, that if you put what the Thunder have on paper and you stripped away the franchise, you stripped away the history of how they got there, you just said, these are the players that you have. This is a new team that you're looking at. These are the players that they have. You would feel really good about your chances if that's what you rolled out. If you were out there in MVP and two All-Stars with this rotation, you'd feel really, really good taking that team into a playoff series, no matter who you matched up with. So take that for what it's worth on the whole, is the window open? Is it not open? Conversation. So we'll continue on with your uh, with your takeaways. Uh, Braden says, Shay, Dub, and Chet uh, moment should be framed. We'll remember that for a long time. Just shows the chemistry, love, respect they have for each other, and it was awesome. For sure, for sure. And, and look, you know, that picture will live on. Like, this, that picture, like, it, it, it's crazy to think about, right? Because because it feels like we just lived this, right? We just lived this 10 years ago, however long it's been. That picture will be the next generation's version of Russ, Harden, KD. That's who they'll tell their kids about. That's who they'll tell, you know, the, the, you know they're... they're, they're fellow fan about, reminisce about. That moment, that picture, these players. It's eerily similar. But that, yeah, that is the next, that's the next evolution of this. You know, maybe you have kids and then of course they weren't around or or if they were around, you know, they don't really remember watching the, you know those teams. This is these are their their guys. And you know I I, I really do not like to talk about uh players personally because I mean what we get to experience, even you know, being in there interviewing them, talking to them, is a is a is a fraction, is a is a tenth of a percent of, of, of who they are. But from everything we are able to observe, this team has special chemistry and this team has special uh, a special bond to it of relatability, you know, all being in the same age at the same stages of life and and you know, all all being around each other and liking each other. And what we're able to see, that all checks out. And I think that this team. Um, you know, I said it before the year, I'll say it again. You're going to want to be a part of it. If you've been kind of holding out, college football has been distracting, right? Big college football state, obviously. And, you know, you're still holding out. Is this Thunder team for real? You should get on board right now today. This Thunder team is for real. Can't promise what they're going to do in terms of like, you know, postseason success this season. But like, this is the starting point of what this team will eventually become. So, yeah, it, it does feel like this team has an unbelievable uh, chemistry, unbelievable uh, respect for each other. Uh, Jacoby G says the Thunder will be top three in title favorites by the end of the year. So this is a tough one for me to answer because I'm, I'm going to answer it both ways because I'm not really sure how to interpret it. End of the year, as in like Jan 1st, they'll be top three. I'm not going to say that, no. End of the year, as in 
uh, into the regular season, heading into the postseason, they'll have top three title odds. I'm still going to say no, because you've got to combine the conferences, right? So even if the Thunder finish with a third seed in the West, that doesn't necessarily guarantee they're the third best team in the NBA. So I'm going to say no. If you mean into the year as like the playoffs is over, you know, it's the off season, you're starting to hear a little whispers of what each team can look like next year. At that juncture, I think that they'd be closer to like top three in title lots because, you know, you know, Vegas will try to set the odds, protect themselves and everything of like some possible huge move that could happen this summer. So uh, the, the, this center team will eventually get there. I believe that we'll start to see the Thunder be favorites in a lot of these different awards and and, and win totals and everything else um, that, that you see. But it's not going to be there like as soon as like this year uh, necessarily because like just other teams have like the Celtics are going to be up there. The Bucks are still going to be up there because they have Giannis. They have Dame, like playoff players who have proven it. Uh, the Nuggets, of course, like you can just go on down the list of, of teams who will be there. But uh, Goggles FTW says, barring a major, major injury, the Thunder will be a top three seed. You know, you'd have to still take the field because like it's, it's just the three seed that you're penciling in here. And I believe that the seeds will still be determined by three games or less. So like that's such a finite margin for error. But with the knowledge we have today, like you said, barring major injury, the knowledge we have today, this team's a, a heck of a lot closer to a home court advantage team than they are a play-in team. And not just by record, but by uh, the way that they've played, the way that they've lost. I hate to sound like the college football playoff committee, but the way that they've lost, right? Like there, there's been few and far between just true, oh, goodness, losses. And even tonight, you, you, if you were still holding out on this center team, Surely they got to stop shooting this well. Surely Chet's got to stop scoring this well. They did all those things. They shot 17% from three and they won against the Golden State Warriors. So like in the regular season, that's all that the seeding is about. I believe this team will be a, a home court advantage type of team uh, in the Washington Conference because uh, of what they're able to do, barring injury, barring uh, anything dramatic changing, of course. Well, we'll continue on with your takeaways. Uh, Chet is the most clutch NBA player right now. I'm not going to say the most clutch, but every chance he's had in the clutch, he's came through. And that, you know, he's not going to be perfect his whole career, but he's perfect right now. And that's saying a lot for a rookie uh, just a few games into his season. We're going to do more of your takeaways coming up. But first, what's your name? I got friends over at Jace Medical. Folks, go to Jace Medical today, jacemedical.com, uh, and they can make sure that you're prepared uh, for everything that you need to be prepared for in life because, uh, you know, Jace Medical can give you the Jace case, which is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial issues uh, uh, for you. And they can just help you out in general uh, with a Jace case that we just prepared and you're, and you're able, you know, if it happens in the middle of the night, you, may, you might need something to help you buy. You can do the Jace case uh, uh, pack for you. Uh, go there right now. It's 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 really important to be prepared uh, at jacemedical.com. Use the code locked on. Uh, for $20 off your first order uh, for, of your order. So go to jacemedical.com, use the code locked on for $20 off of your order. Uh, it, you know, it's all going to be through uh, pharmacists and, and, and they're going to have you through the consult and everything uh, from, from Jace Medical. So make sure you go there and get the Jace case code locked on $20 off of your order. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. 
we're going to continue on with your takeaways. And then we're going to end with your favorite topic for many of you, uh, which is Josh Kitty. Um, Dengue says, I liked Mark trusting Chet with three fouls early in the second quarter. A great learning opportunity. Let's start there. Yes, that is in line with Mark's philosophy. He was asked about it again post-game, even though we kind of already know his philosophy by now. But he was asked about it again, and he mentioned that, uh, you know, he wants the refs to foul out the players, and he does not want to be the one to foul out the players. He believes that, like, the more conservative you are with, like, whenever guys get in foul trouble, the more you hurt yourself. Because oftentimes, these guys don't foul out. This game went to overtime, and Chet didn't foul out. He had three of them in the second quarter, you know, by the second quarter, with, like, 10 minutes left, by the way, in the second quarter. He had three of them, and he does not foul out in this game. So, like, had you been way, way, way too conservative, you'd have lost, you'd have lost this game. Frankly, you would have lost this game. So I, I totally agree uh, with this premise. And I, I think that Chet did a great job in his in his uh, first test, at, you know, one of his first tests as being trusted out there with fouls. Because, uh, you know, I've talked to Mark about this as like tr- in the sense of like trusting them to not foul again. And he's discussed with me that like, it's not about trusting them to not foul again. It's about, can I trust you that no matter what foul number is in the column, that you're still going to go out there and play your style of basketball? And you're not going to let that kind of hinder you or, or, or stop you from defending or stop you from uh, doing your job. And to Chet's credit, Chet was out there defending shots and, and deterring shots and contesting shots and being physical. He just didn't pick up any fouls. But like to to allow yourself to go contest shots and to, to go swat at the ball in the back of your head while knowing you have three fouls is a skill in itself to not shy away from that and to not worry about what if I foul out. So, so Chet is one of his first chances to do so, did so uh, really well in this one. What are Lou Dort's ankles made of? I have I have no clue. Lou Dort, for those of you that didn't see, uh, he, he was injured in this game, really nasty ankle injury, goes to the locker room for like a nanosecond. I, I literally tweeted out that he went to the locker room. By the time that that tweet loaded and went out to the ether, he was at the scores table. I physically watched him go to the locker room. He was at the scores table by the time that tweet goes out. Uh, I don't know what happened. I don't know what they did. I don't know what he did, uh, but he was good to go to finish this game. Now, I will say, adrenaline is obviously pumping and high in a game like this. The crowd energy was unlike anything that these guys have experienced before in Oklahoma City. Uh, you know, the, the the game environment, the, the, the construct of the game, who you're playing, right? This was not just a close game in general. This was a close game against the Warriors, and that still means something to these players, and it still means something to this fan base. You know, So let's see what, what Lou looks like Sunday to know about Monday because they're off tomorrow. Let's see what Lou looks like Sunday and like if he's really all right or if he's just like able to grit it out today. So by like the ankles so far, I mean, it looks like they're made of just like whatever the highest quality thing in the world is. Uh, the high effort uh, swarming uh, was an A plus today. I agree. Uh, and to win with this poor of shooting uh, is huge. We've touched on that as well. Um, House of Wigs, my guy says Aaron Wiggins saved basketball yet again. That he did. Uh, John Swanson says, Chet is a dog. Agreed. Uh, he is everything I hope Pookie would have been. Uh, okay. Uh, Chet, Chet is awesome. Chet is awesome. Uh, nerves of steel and, 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 and awesome. And then Okie Sports, the takeaway is just Chet, dog emoji. And I can't tell what the other emoji is, but dog emoji for sure. So Chet does have the dog. Now, let's talk Josh Giddy. Josh Giddy, the, 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 the takeaway from many people is that he found a way to contribute. He played 25 minutes. You know, he played it however the game that he did, that he did, but he still wasn't in the closing lineups. And I think that that was like, um, you know, a, a, a look at 
what this team is best with on the court, who this team is best with on the court. But Josh can still contribute, even though he's not going to likely be a lot of the times one of your best players to close with. He can still find ways to contribute. He didn't shoot the ball well tonight, but he rebounded well. He was used as a screener more, and he was way more active and engaged defensively. He had three steals, but like even beyond the steals, his ability to plug the lane was really nice to see. And his activity boxing out, like he had nine rebounds himself, which you know, for a guard, you know, you already noticed that that's an eye-popping number, but he also created rebounds for other players around him by putting a body on somebody. Now, uh, no one's going to write home about this rebounding as a, as a team whenever you get out rebounded 60 to, uh, you know, 60 to 39, right? But Josh played well in this game, especially comparatively to his standards of what he's recently put out there. And again, well, not, not good, not great, whatever. He played really well in this game for what he had been producing. But I think this is another game where like it, it wasn't necessarily Josh's fault that he didn't close this game. It was not you, not me type of thing. You know, it's me, not you type of thing with, with the Thunder of like, you know, hey, Josh, it's us. It's, it's not you. Like the Thunder were just better without Josh on the floor uh, in this game. And they were just better uh, with the personnel they can match up with without Josh in the game, even though Josh played really well. But, you know, you got to shoot the ball better, of course. I mean, 33% from the floor is not going to, is not going to do the trick most nights. But I think that this was still an encouraging game that he did other things well. I think he passed the ball well, even, uh, you know, better than he had before, uh, you know, in this stretch. But now it's about getting the scoring to eventually come around. So yeah, Josh deserves credit for playing better. I totally agree with these takeaways, but he still, um, of course, was not one of the guys you want to go to late. And I think that's a credit to Mark. I think that's like a really, really big credit to Mark. And I will say, uh, you know, throughout this game, Mark was, was at times criticized for his rotations uh, and he's been criticized for his rotations uh, um, all season long. And the Trey Mann thing is interesting because like he did play well in, in Houston. And, and I did ask Mark about Trey playing in Houston and Mark was very complimentary of, of Trey Mann playing in Houston and his defense in Houston. But let's do the say it out loud test, right? That's just complaining that Trey Mann didn't play tonight. It's just complaining to complain. Because you're in you you the complainer are in a win-win scenario. Because if Trey doesn't play and the Thunder lose, then you just complain and say, well, Trey just played really well, had two big threes and played good defense. Why isn't he playing it in this game? He could have he could have been the difference maker. If they put Trey in in a six-point game, which is when I mostly saw people complaining about Trey not playing, they put Trey in a six game in a six-point game and things go south, even if it's no fault of Trey's right, and things go south, or they just lose the game, period, then those same complainers are back to saying, well, well why are they experimenting? Why, why why are they trying to win, man? Why are they experimenting, man? So Mark is in this kind of no-win situation, and that's why he's coaching the team the way he wants to coach the team, right? Like, he's going to put the guys out there he wants to put out there, and he's going to, to try different things. And I think that if you really take a step back and aren't just looking to complain, right, Mark has handled this very well. And he's balanced development very well. He, he's not going to bench the sixth overall pick, which you know I guess you could give him grief for. That technically, Josh does start the games. In important moments, Josh is not playing. That's number one. Usman Jang, when you really go back to Usman Jang, like people were really mad about playing. He played a lot early on 
when the Thunder literally didn't have a backcourt. Poku was hurt and, and rehabbing. Jayla was hurt. Kendrick was hurt. They literally had nobody except for Olivier Saar, Chet Holmgren, and Usman Zhang. It was all hands on deck. And then he gets promptly sent to the blue once they're healthy. Then they try him again in a small spurt, including a 90-second spurt in Minnesota, which is what really sent fans over the edge, for 90 seconds. They're not just force-feeding developmental minutes in there, right? Like, you look up and down today, Kendrick's played nine minutes, Wiggins played 22, who we've been begging for him to play more, he played 22. Isaiah Joe played 22 minutes, Kaysen played 23 minutes, Jay Will, who you know people just don't think is a big man, even though he's, he's played uh, really well, Six minutes. That's it. Six minutes. So, like, this is an 82-game season. They're not going to get through this on eight bodies. They're not going to get through this on five guys. It's going to take everyone at some point. It took Trey in Houston. It took six minutes from Jay Will to get, to, to get by this game. So, to talk about the rotations after losses and not after wins is disingenuous, especially whenever the rotation stayed the same. The rotation stayed the same. The same thing that you that you think uh, was an experiment in Houston, you were clamoring for just because they were losing. Sometimes the scoreboard is flip-flopped and the thunder on the wrong side of it just because the ball didn't go in, just because the, the guys who were supposed to bring it didn't bring it. It doesn't always have to be some, some masterminded, convoluted, behind-the-scenes, scripted, wanting-to-lose conspiracy theory catastrophe. It can just be basketball. And that's what it's been this year. So for all the talk about Mark's rotations, this was a really good rotational game for him. Everybody wanted to see play played and played a ton of minutes going into overtime. And when the Thunder start overtime, who was the starter? It was not Josh Kidd. It was Isaiah Trail. So, like, what more do you want? Right, I I firmly believe, and I would love, and I've challenged everyone on the show for the last two weeks to leave comments and, and to go on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles and tell me specifically what you think is wrong with the rotation, because that's the biggest line of crap that is out there right now with the Thunder. Is their rotations are bad, in that their rotations are too experimenty. Show me the experiment. Show me the game that was thrown away by rotations. It is a crutch. It is a crutch by people who can't analyze the game to just fall back on what they've heard in past under losses during this rebuild of like too experimental. And it's proved that way tonight whenever the same people who are mad about experimental lineups were clamoring to a what? Experiment. This is a great game. This is a game that you'll remember for a very long time. We had a lot of fun recapping it all. The good, the bad, the ugly. There's way more good than anything else. So I appreciate you all tuning in. Monday will be a big show. And then that kicks off another week of Lockdown Thunder, including Tuesday's recap from the Jazz game. Wednesday, a monumental show. It'll be the first show that we uh, know the results of the important vote on Tuesday about the arena. So stay tuned for that as well. And follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. And until Monday, be good and be good to one another.